0: Hey guys, it's the Andrew Bello from the Hameen Media Group Podcast of the Year, the Wednesday Locker Room, and the former host and founder of the Next Level Wrestling Podcast. It's 2021, and it's time to kick out and leave the past behind us. Hameen Media Group starts the year off with over 2.25 million downloads, and our fan base is continuing to grow every day. Thank you for subscribing and sharing all of our channels, podcasts and videos and for standing strong with HMG in the face of ongoing censorship. We will always adapt and overcome any obstacles put in our way. We will overcome and certainly achieve even more success in the ever-changing digital landscape. Please make sure you're subscribed to Hacker Hamin and Hameen Media Group on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Thank you to all of the Patreon.com slash Hameen Media Group subscribers, home of the Rip Rogers FR podcast, named by Patreons to be their favorite show on the entire Hameen Media Group network. More content, including marketing and podcasting seminars, watch alongs from Hameen's career in 2CW, OVW, DCW, and more. When you subscribe to Patreon.com slash Hameen Media Group, you are the fuel that drives HMGs, free shows for the entire community. We salute you and thank you for your continued support in 2021. We continue our year supported by our daily listeners and our local sponsors, including ProWrestlingTees.com. Get the shirts of all your favorite Hameen Media Group wrestling personalities and support them directly. Greek God Papadon, Stevie Richards, Chris Silvio, SEG shirts for Big Sal, and of course, Bin Yallah. Yala. Also, check out ZordosOliveOil.com. Make a healthy choice for 2021 when you cook with Zordos Ultra Premium Artisanal Olive Oil imported directly from Greece. Visit ZordosOliveOil.com today and taste the difference of an ultra premium product for yourself. And wake up, bro. It's time to get the official Vince Russo Bro Coffee. Kick the day off right, bro, with a cup of Brosters Coffee. The exclusive limited edition Vince Russo Bro Coffee is a medium roasted Nicaraguan blend with chocolatey notes and a smooth finish that will have you up and ready to go, bro. Order yours exclusively at thebroasters.com. And it's 2021, and the Hameen Media Group staff are all committed to Stevie Richards Fitness this year and getting ourselves into the best shape we've ever been in. You've seen Big Ray's amazing transformation, and there are plenty of SRF members interacting right now, motivating each other for the new year. So don't worry about gyms and lockdowns. Let's get in shape together using our community for support and Stevie Richards Fitness to achieve our goals for 2021. Join us and visit StevieRichardsFitness.com for the most affordable and effective home workout program that will give you results. Real results. 12 and 16 week resistant band programs are available for instant download now at stevierichards.com. We thank you for listening and being an incredible community of wrestling addicted, conspiracy minded, straight brim hat wearing infidels. By the way, Ben Hameen wrote this copy, and I'm currently in a basement being held at gunpoint. He's already shot Adlers twice, and I hope this is the correct style of intro he was looking for. So enjoy the show, HMG listeners. Please, for the love of Stevie, enjoy the show. Space, a final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission, to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before.
1: And folks, welcome to another edition of the Academy Star Trek podcast. It is me, Triple D, your man, Commodore Zerdos, enjoying some Blanton's Bourbon. That's a preview to a guest that we have on, but I'm going to allow my man, the dad bod god, the master of the lake press at Planet Fitness, the man who is not afraid to wear gym pants with pink and blue splotches on them. It is John Enright, Captain Cisco's boy. Johnny, what is going on, brother? Introduce our guest to the fans of the Academy podcast.
2: I follow the orders of the Commodore. so in no further ado, all I am uh, proud to say is, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, I present to you the man who swept who swept two hominis this year, two count them two, two time winner from the hominis this year. Mr. Doctor superconductor, helper himself, doctor head the man beast.
3: What's up, yeah. gentlemen? i would enjoying a nice glass of bourbon, uh Blanton's bourbon myself, and I appreciate you all beaming me up onto the Academy. Uh, yeah. Fresh off uh, a just I'm still kind of starstruck at the or humbled I should say at the, at the victory. The the two Haminis, both rookie and performer of the year. Uh, I don't know anyone that's gotten the rookie and performer of the year uh before. So uh, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty or like i I'm not just the Haminis, which was the first annual, I believe, but you know, in, in any uh, type of award. So I'm I'm very humbled and honored. And if anything, I feel that much more pressure uh to perform at an even higher level in the coming year. And so mm-hmm. we're starting off things hot and uh oh, nice. starting things off uh glorious here with the first ever star trek the academy podcast right here on the homie media network and uh, i'm glad to be here with you guys exactly well, dr. Tim, you, Doctor. We love,
2: we love it i mean the fact that we saw you posting that you're watching some of these star trek movies and i was like mm-hmm. hell yeah let's get dr ted on especially because this is your first experience with star trek is it not Absolutely. Uh, well, I take that back. I do recall I caught one random episode
3: of Star Trek many years ago, and I don't know if it was the the, the first uh, iteration or if it was the next generation. But I remember it was some sort of episode where uh, someone had had passed away, and it wasn't Spock. It was I think it was one of the newer iterations, and they were talking about like. Uh, how their energy passed on or something like that. I just remember as a kid, I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. And so other than that, I don't even remember the episode. No, I don't really have any real experience understanding, you know, Star Trek or, or what's going on. So this was a really interesting foray, foray into these films that I've never seen before and these characters I was unfamiliar with. And I have to say, I was pretty entertained and, and enjoyed it a lot. So I'm really glad to sit down and talk with you guys about these movies, about these characters. Hopefully, I'm sure you all can give some more insight into – uh, the movies themselves and, and what it means for the franchise. But I, I really enjoyed this. And I, I have to say, I think at some point I'm going to have to sit down and, and watch some more because uh, it was some really good stuff, I have to say.
2: Yeah. And good. I mean, and then I think the thing to remember is the movies are uh, an encapsulation of really the original series uh, for like when you go one through six on these, um, you, that's all original series, Kirk Spock kind of stuff. Um, and then, so if you watch original series, you get to see how these relationships built. Um, the movies are kind of that final piece of that. You know, they they've had all these years of Star Trek together, and now they're older and they have a deeper relationship. And the Next Generation, you watch that, man. That's that's like Star Trek on overload. And then you just build to yeah. all the different series, man. I mean, my personal favorite is Deep Space Nine. Triple D is an uh, original series guy, mm-hmm. um, but that's the thing is we can all be Star Trek fans and like different things, and you get to watch it no matter what. And there's little things that you get to pick that are universal throughout. And that's, I think that's what made it so enjoyable is that even though you watched original series, there was Next Generation, and it had that same spirit in it. And, and, and on and on. The more you watch it, there's still that underlying thread throughout. This is what the Federation is. This is what Starfleet is kind of thing. So no matter what, first-timers, you can jump in and watch something and not, I think, get lost. From it, but for we'll start with Wrath of Khan. How about that, Dr. Ted? Since that was your first one, that's Mm -hmm. chronologically based off what you watched. Um, Give us your initial take as a first timer watching, which is many consider to be the best Star Trek movie.
4: I thought this was
3: good. I'm I'm sure if I had the context of the television show, it would have been even more meaningful. But even despite that, not having that context, they did a really good job helping me in the movie to understand uh, the conflict between uh, Captain Kirk and and, uh, Khan. And and there was lots of tension that was built out. And I thought it was especially impressive that despite the fact that at no point in the movie, at least that I can remember, uh, Captain Kirk and uh, Khan never actually physically come face to face if I'm not nope.
4: mistaken and yet they're able
3: to sustain that tension throughout the entire length of the movie and, and continue to build throughout I thought it was just an excellent piece of storytelling and again this is one that I feel that not even having the context of a television show anyone could pick up and start watching and understand what's going on here and so in that sense I thought they did a really good job uh acting I thought whoever played Khan uh, should uh, you know uh, he should be uh <laughs> Uh, acclaimed or or recognized for just his work as uh, as the antagonist of the story because without a good antagonist or a good heel uh, in wrestling speak there, there's no story and yeah. so uh, for him to be able to to play that role and play that part was essential because that allowed William Shatner's Captain Kirk to really step up and, and become an even better protagonist mm-hmm. in the story so I, I yeah. liked it a lot yeah that,
2: and, and- that was Ricardo Montalban if you remember from Fantasy Island uh, yeah okay. play that's re- and so the the premise is this actually stemmed from a one original series episode that 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 happened they they filmed this episode with Ricardo Montalban back in the sixties he was con, he was a younger looking guy and you know it's this superior human and they, he gets on the ship and basically like like Chekhov says he tried to kill Kirk and he tried to take mm-hmm. over the ship and everything like that and so that's why and they marooned him on the planet um, I think uh, the the necklace that he wore you know that you saw. That was the, the Federation symbol that was broken. That was from one of his, one of the Kirk's crew left with him. That was his wife. Mm-hmm. And she, when she died, so he's wearing that as a token of honor to her. So when you wow. see, you know, in that, and when you're watching the picture, and you see that mm-hmm. Federation, why is he wearing a Federation symbol that's broken? You know, if he's trying to destroy Kirk and the Federation and all this kind of stuff, it's because his wife was from Kirk's original crew. Yeah. And he's honoring her by wearing that, you know, so. Got gotcha. you. There's, there's a lot of nuance, like mm-hmm. if you watch the original series, that you're going to see a little bit more into it. But that's what I loved about Wrath of Khan is that you didn't have to. Like when I was a kid, I didn't really like, watch a ton of original series, but man, I watched the hell out of these movies, especially Wrath of Khan, you know, to watch Ricardo Montalban just chew that scene. And then uh, I don't know. And then in real life, Kirk uh, William Shatner and Ricardo Montalban never w- worked together in the scenes. Everything was done through screen. They mm-hmm. would record their scenes separately. And then that's how they would work, you know? So they never interacted yeah. with each other. Uh, and in that real was, life.
1: And, and that was due to Matabon's filming schedule with Fantasy Island. Yeah. 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 And that actually, in that episode of the original series, I, you know, it's really, it's not like a very like acclaimed episode of the original series. It's just kind of a an episode that was kind of like, you know, just kind of flavor of, of the week. You know, and the, just for for uh, for Nicholas Mayer to go back, the director of Wrath to go back and watch the episode, be like, you know what? We could possibly tie in a movie with this to see what happened to Khan. Because there were some fans of the original series wondering, hey, whatever happened to Khan? Khan is yeah. superior being. And I thought it was, I mean, yeah, you don't have to, just as John said, you don't have to watch the episode to get it, but just, the acting and everything else. And what about the shape that Ricardo Montalban was in for that? <laughs> dude, he was like, what? He was like in his, like his fifties or his sixties. He's doing fancy Island where he's dressed like in a white leisure suit where he's not supposed to be this big jacked up dude, but he got insane shape for the that movie. He yeah. He, 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 he fucking killed it. And the acting ability. Yeah. How Khan didn't get a, a fucking Emmy for his portrayal is month. is just beyond me. But once again, you know, Academy doesn't like, you know, movies like Star Trek and other types of movies. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. And I mean, and I think the thing the other callback that was really great was Carol Marcus, you know, bringing that back. You know, Kirk has got a son now. Mm -hmm. Um, I did what you said. I stayed away. You know, but that was also an original series character um, that they brought back. And, you know, to be able to tie that kind of other side of the aspect of he has this deep relationship with this woman, um, they have a child together, but yet he's staying away per her wishes. And now those worlds are colliding. His antagonist world and his love life are now collided together. Um, and so maybe Kirk will re- act a little irrationally because of the fact that he's focused on Carol Marcus and her, their son together, David. You know, And so there, I think there was that neat aspect in that aspect of he's now having to kind of juggle two worlds that he never thought would come together. Um, and dealing with that aspect. So, you know, the Genesis device, you have that, you know, whole aspect as well. Mm-hmm. Being able to create life, like Dr. McCoy says, you know, God created life in six minutes. Watch out, we got Genesis. We'll do it in six minutes, you know. Yeah, you know? exactly. But six to days. be able to, yeah, <laughs> six, yeah, from six days to six, six. minutes. And, six minutes you know, to watch those aspects of it, of the different relationships where, you know, um, McCoy can give shit to everybody and and Spock, you know, Uh, I mean, what can you say about Spock in this movie? Mm -hmm. You know, just there's so much to do here. So, uh, Doctor Ted, give me like what was one thing that really scene-wise that stood out for you um, in this movie? Well, uh, well, one just
3: in general, the interactions. Like it it took us now ten minutes into this podcast to even bring up Genesis, as even though that was a big plot device in the movie, the movie itself wasn't about the technology or Mm -hmm. or outer space or anything uh, it related to. Uh, I, I guess, you know, more so that the tech of it, it was more based about the personalities and the relationships, which to me drives is, is you're going to have in, as any stories always going to be that much more, uh, I guess, emotionally investing when you have uh, characters that you can relate to and understand versus relying on, I mean, it would have been easy to rely on the technology and, and the weapon and, and then being in outer space. But instead we focused on, you no, know, this is really a story about uh, Captain Kirk and Khan mm-hmm. and the the Genesis was a backdrop to it because it allowed the heel Khan to have more of a threat for the mm-hmm. baby face Captain Kirk, and to talk in the wrestling terms. Yeah. But uh but to me, it was just more so anytime they were on screen together facing off just as it continued to build throughout the series. And I, and I like that you all said uh, not to get away from the question, but uh, I like that this came from a nondescript episode of Star Trek. Like it wasn't like a big season finale that it was tuning off of, because to me, from a business standpoint, how smart is that to say, well, I guess now every episode of Star Trek is could be important in some way. Exactly, it yeah. really behooves the audience to go back and watch the episodes because who knows what thing is going to be brought up in a later movie mm-hmm. or episode that could be referenced back. So to me, that makes the, even the episodes that don't seem like they're a big deal could end up becoming a big deal later in the Star Trek universe. So I like that. So not to get too far away from the questions, but I guess I don't really have one particular scene in mind, but to me, just all of the interactions with Khan and Shatner because that's what kept you to help build and tell the story. As yeah. We, as we hear the bottle of Blanton's opening up.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry. All right. And then what character do you think really did you get drawn to or, or, or relate with the most when you watched this? Dr. Ted, what, what, what do you think? Uh,
3: you know, I, I, as much as I want to recognize uh, Khan, I have to say the fact that William Shatner allowed himself as a captain to be so vulnerable – as a character, which, which again, allowed the threat of Khan as a heel to be that much worse. Even though Khan did a great job playing the, the antagonist in this story, I feel like it was really Shatner's uh, ability to play, be, be more vulnerable. Uh, and I guess that comes from not having watched a lot of the context of the story. Anytime I think of William Shatner as Captain Kirk, I always think of this, you know, strong uh, character who just, you know, can easily, you know, uh, take on any challenge. But mm-hmm. in this story... I, again, I saw Captain Kirk as being a vulnerable person, despite his previous wins and victories. And so, mm-hmm. to me, that—that's what I really took away. What I really liked about the, the story is—is is Shatner's ability to play a vulnerable character, despite being uh, the leader of all that's potentially good in, in the story.
2: Right. We we even see, you know, the you know, everybody said, oh, he he beat the Kobayashi Maru. And, you know, Tess, which you see that at the beginning, you know, they they show Savick going through the Kobayashi Maru and getting everybody killed. And, you know, oh, he's the only one who's done it. He's the only one who's beat it. And then, you know, we find out how he, he did. He cheated, you know, mm-hmm. and that he's never gone through some of the things that, you know, you're supposed to experience with the Kobayashi Maru. And so we're seeing him kind of have his own personal Kobayashi Maru in this whole situation. And so, um, you know, like he says, I don't believe in no win situations, but at some point, you're going to have that in life. That's just life in general. You know, you know, whether we, you know, we have to deal with divorce or death or anything, these life changing things that happen, we're going to have to deal with it and we can't cheat our way out of it. And Mm -hmm. I think that's, I think, you know, the further we got into the movie, I think the more Kirk realizes I'm in a no-win situation. I'm something's going to happen that I'm going to have to deal with this, and I, I'm not going to have something's going to be lost for it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's that's the uh, I think the the biggest thing. So, Dr. Ted, the end when we have the reveal that Spock. Oh my God, has sacrificed himself. A ride like a little baby. Oh like yeah.
1: Every time power. I watch this,
2: yeah. Power, very Yeah, it's it's probably one of the most powerful scenes in Star Trek. Um, What did that do for you, seeing Khan be defeated, but in that process, Kirk loses his best friend in Spock and and can't do anything about it? And
3: and, talk about, so we talked about telling the story of showing his vulnerability. This was the peak of vulnerability, Spock or uh, Shatner as Captain Kirk Really losing his, his best friend, his right hand man, his confidant, the man who you know has really helped him be as successful as he is, and, and he loses him. So to me, it this set up. You know, if I was watching uh, in real time at the time, this would have for sure driven me like I have to see either the next movie or the next episode or where, whatever the next Star Trek that comes out. I, I'm going to have to watch see how this unfolds. And I obviously skipping ahead through the movies, I had to read up on, on what happened with Spock but, (laughs) but this was, this was great. This, this drew me in as a fan and made me feel like I have to see what happens now because Spock's gone. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that was, was a, I thought a very solemn but poignant way to end the movie and make people motivated to want to see the next chapter of the story. And just between, Mm -hmm. again, you, you have that thing that, you know, that's the thing I like about Star Trek is you can relate to it as, as a real person versus other uh, movies and franchises that might be in outer space. They don't always line up with with the planet Earth and, and our, our culture and our history versus yeah. here it does. And so you have Amazing Grace playing over the bagpipes as as the the, the body pod gets shipped out of the outer space. It was very moving. It mm-hmm. really was. Now, I'm sure had I had, you know, again, been watching this in real time, been following the story because even just watching it from nothing, I was already almost getting welled up with the Tears in my eyes. So I imagine I'd probably be bawling like a baby had I been following in real time. This was again a great piece yeah. of storytelling, and, and it just again that much more motivating for me to see what happens
2: after. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. to see Spock, you know, he, without hesitation, that that was I think the thing that you know Spock finds a way. He he kind of walks out in the freckles of it all. Kirk doesn't even notice he's gone, and he walks out and he makes a beeline directly. He knows where he what he needs to do. He knows he's going to die doing it. And yet he doesn't hesitate to do it anyway. The only thing that keeps him from going wide in is Doctor is uh, Doctor McCoy, and because uh, Doctor McCoy is not going to let him go kill himself, mm-hmm. and he has to Vulcan neck pinch him, and then he gives him his ka so that he can pass on his spirit. You know, um, because that's what he was doing when he put when he put the fingers on him. And he said, "Remember, he was sharing his spirit with Doctor McCoy." Uh, okay, and that, so now, now that makes sense. And that's gonna and that's gonna play into the the Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. So. Yeah. Um, that's going to play into that. So if you can watch that one, it's a great tie-in. And then even even four is great Mm. because it's still kind of continuing that movie. So basically in three, they find Spock. In four, Spock's kind of learning how to reintegrate back in with everybody yeah. after yeah. his experience. So it's so really two, three and four are, are almost a trilogy on the amongst their own because of yeah. the underlying story of Spock. And, yeah. everything. and, and then, the,
3: I want to say I, I read that, too, that it was a trilogy. And, I, and I'll be I, I, I guess I'd be remiss if I didn't explain why I, I, I didn't see the whole thing. It really came down to uh, the, the way I watch uh, movies is literally I'll, I'll look and see which ones are expiring from prime. There you go. There's literally so many that were expiring. Like the, the entire Star Trek franchise pretty much was on there, and I mm-hmm. had those amongst other movies as well. So literally, I just went to Rotten Tomatoes and I found
4: ones <laughs> the highest
3: rated, and I at least yeah, wanted to see yeah. the highest rated ones. But I will say, this absolutely did motivate me to want to go back and see the in between stories too. Just yeah, to yeah. how and, it played out.
2: Yeah, and, and it's, it's it's such a good aspect for that, and so and and that's I think Rafacon is such a great start. Um, for you to watch um, anybody, I, that's all. That's one I always recommend yeah. for first timers because you get tiebacks to the original series. You see the deep relationship that everybody has for each other, and then, um, but you are also seeing this great conflict of of Khan and Kirk working together to create this just incredible quarrel with each other where you think one's got one and then he does something to get at the other guy. And then it's just those things one after another where they're back and forth, back and forth. This is true 50-50 booking in a sense, but in a good way, I mean, yeah, in a good way we see that the the hero overcomes in the end, but it well, took well, something.
1: Well, well hold on for a second, John. I seem to remember uh, Kirk taking a lot of fucking heat from Khan <laughs> for a while there. Khan was he did. con was con was whipping his ass. It was like a 90-10 yeah fucking squash going on until it was, but
3: that's okay. And that's, yeah, exactly. that's where he yeah. wrestling. That's okay. Yeah. But if, that's if okay. Long, as long as you, because you, here's the thing going to wrestling terms, Kirk sold. He yeah. sold for COD. If he didn't sell, it wouldn't have been anything. Exactly, but because he yeah. sold his ass off, the whole movie. When he finally came back at the end, holy fuck,
4: it meant something. It did. Okay, mean, so right, we got
3: on the show. I just realized. Yeah, no, you. Yeah, can't we got. Yeah, we oh, right, God.
1: God. <laughs> My God, you're, you're talking about sailor mouth here. I swear all the time. But yeah, you are a sailor mouth. Yeah, but 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 speaking about Star Trek 2, even with that movie, when Spock's death scene where he did like the COD to to to, uh, to Bones, mm-hmm. remember me, that was actually shot in pre-production because nimoy didn't want to do any more star trek movies after Mm two star trek the motion picture the first one kind of soured him on everything because gene Roddenberry was like fucking insane and he was insane for star trek 2 too but Mm -hmm. and but spock has so much fun doing star trek 2 that he's like i kind of don't want to die now so they were able to put that scene in there and that's what led to star trek 3 and then star trek 4 so
3: yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. I was, I was going to ask you about that. I read up a little bit. I read about how Leonard D. was kind of soured on it. But, yeah. So that's kind of why they wrote in a death scene. But yeah, and it sounds like that's what motivated them to want to do more with it. Yeah. So, but yeah. so I, from what I understand, is Gene Roddenberry, the original showrunner, was removed from the second one. Is that
1: correct? Yeah. No, yeah. yeah he, he had to because his ideas, he just was just so hands in everything and he made life a living hell for everybody on the set really? that
3: so, so do you think if he was involved in number two you don't think it would have been as
2: good no really? no well i mean um, here's the thing we remember you have to remember he, he yes did he come up with star trek yes but it was actually mm-hmm. uh triple d, triple d and i talked about this a couple episodes ago Har- harold Sucklow died mm-hmm. uh recently and he was the guy that kind of really kind of paced everything out like uh uh, was it Roddenberry it said wanted to, Spock to be like almost a devil type figure yeah and that's when he said no we give him pointy ears and we have him have green blood be the emotionless Vulcan you know this guy was the executive producer and he kind of cleaned up a lot of what Roddenberry had which was kind of almost over the top and then made it more production level and so Roddenberry gets this idea that he's the God of all of everything. And so yeah. it don't stink. And then all of a sudden, well, I can do whatever I want. And then he goes to these movies and all of a sudden Paramount saying, uh, fuck no! We're gonna put this person in charge and this person in charge. It's, and so, so
3: interesting how that happens, and not to you know make comparisons necessarily to Star Wars, but it's interesting because you have someone like a George Lucas who had to be removed from the franchise, just, yeah. to, just to make it better again. And I, I'm sure you could probably come up with other examples where mm-hmm. that happens, where an original writer ends up having to take uh, you know a backseat just to allow the story to continue. So that's, yeah. it's really interesting, but at the same time, mm-hmm. it, apparently you know it happens uh, you know more often. than It does, and, and the, the crazy parents.
1: thing, and the crazy thing is. From Star Trek Two to Star Trek Six, Roddenberry kept pushing this idea of time of a, of a time travel movie, which they did in Star Trek Four. But what Roddenberry wanted, he wanted Spock to go back in time and kill JFK, and <laughs> kind of have like that whole story. Yeah. And, the pa- the people, almost, so. and the people, the the people of Paramount are like, "What the fuck is it with this guy? Seriously, how fucking crazy is he? God, yeah. get him off the just." So that's why they gave him like an executive producer role, which basically he he has no power. Yeah. The only thing he can do is send down memos, but like Nicholas Mayer, who was directing, was like, fuck this shit, just threw it away because I'm not listening to Fuck yeah. him, man. You know? Yeah. So but yeah. it was, yeah, he just
2: yeah. and if you wanted to see kind of a closer there's he did a tv series after star trek called andromeda came out in the 90s it was in syndication and that was a big vision of what he kevin sorbo's as space captain and Mm -hmm. you know all this kind of stuff that was almost more of what he kind of wanted for star trek in in a way and so if you watch some of that show you can see some of the underlying this is what i kind of wanted star trek to be um from his vision and and Mm so um so yes, Roddenberry was kind of a thorn in the sign. and 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 so that's why I think Paramount learned. Hey, we're not going to listen to him. We're going to let our directors direct. We're going to have our writers write. You know, um, you know, Leonard Nimoy eventually ended up writing and directing a few episodes. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah so he, he did. Uh,
1: uh, well. uh, Nimoy directed Star Trek three. Yeah, and he also had a hand in uh, Star Trek four and in Star Trek six because I know. Yeah. The guy that directed Star Trek VI was the guy that did Star Trek II because Star Trek V, and God bless William Shatner, had his chance to direct his movie. And obviously when his time came, there was the writer's strike and Paramount Studios didn't have a lot of money put, put towards the film. And Star Trek V fucking bombed. So the people at Paramount... Called up Nicholas Mayer and be like, "Can you come save the fucking franchise?" And yeah. Mayer came in, and that's Star Trek Six came came yeah. to power, and that's why it's considered one of the greatest movies ever. So, yeah. because yeah. it follows one of the worst movies ever made.
2: <laughs> yeah, you can only go up from where they went from five. So, oh yeah. God, yeah, you could. Yeah. So Nimoy Nimoy came involved. So having someone who who was part of original series to be there to kind of direct and and tell these stories, and like I think he has a writer credit for. Yeah uh for 6 um mm-hmm. and, and some other so you know he the, and that's where paramount i think got him back too is they said okay we'll let you write we'll let you direct we'll let you be yeah. in on that aspect on the production side of it and that also helped him want to come back too yeah. because now he can kind of put have his input on how the story should go um you know because you know sometimes you know dr ted when you're wrestling when you're a wrestler you know the story better than someone who's trying to tell you what to do so you want to say, well, what, let me, let me tell my story. Let me tell my story instead of having someone dictate to you what you want. Um, that would be, uh, I, I would imagine to be incredibly frustrating, you know, to have that aspect of it. Um, so that's, I think, I think we've everything we can out of two. What think do you think? We have. All right. All right. Let's go to, let's go to six, which is called the undiscovered country. Um, this comes at a very interesting time because this is, this is the Klingons and Romulans. I mean, Klingons and Federation have been enemies for years and years and years, mm-hmm. um, all the way from original series to now. And we're seeing the, it, it coincides with the time that Russia falls.
1: I was just uh-huh. going to say that. God damn uh-huh.
2: it, Todd. Wow. Well, you God know. damn
1: it! Johnny. I always gotta take,
2: always so gotta I, take my fucking shine. That's right. I'm the doctor, doctor Arroyo of the, of the academy. Fuck! Always gotta yeah. take my shine. Well, you know I'm a fucking history dude too. So, well, I'm so well,
1: I went to school for history, asshole. Okay.
2: So did I too, asshole. So. Suck it! Oh god. Anyway, so yeah, I, so I
3: just I, so
1: serious, I just have to take
2: it now. And poor Doctor Ted's just sitting here looking at us, like, look at these two. I'm, this is entertaining. I'd like, please, go ahead. <laughs> so, so the, that's kind of the time frame behind this one. The fall of Russia coincides with this, so the Klingons mm-hmm. are kind of the Russians of of this of the Star Trek um, Empire in, in universe, and so that's the correlation behind the mm-hmm. two. Whereas, you know, Russia with Russia, it was basically financial collapse with. The Klingons, we see Praxis Moon, um, the explosion in the beginning. We see Sulu is now a captain of the Excelsior, mm. which is a funny tie-in from 3 because they introduced this ship called the Excelsior. It's a new transwarp ship, and they end up sabotaging it. And, and Sulu's like, you really <laughs> love that ship. But they sabotage it to get out so yeah. to go save Spock. And so now Sulu is the captain of this ship, and um, which is interesting because we don't start with a typical – kirk or you know spock or anything along those lines kind of open we see this aspect where this moon's exploded and they turn into the wave and you know sulu is showing his helmsman skill no turn her into the wave so you can ride her out a little better and um and then we see the introduction of okay the klingons only have 50 years left to live Mm -hmm. and they want to discuss doing these things and then it's that aspect of do I, do I not want to deal with these people that I've hated for 50 years? You know, that, or I think they said 70 years of aggression between the two, you know, how do we change, you know? And I mean, it's, it's a deep story in that aspect of as us as humans, you know, I mean, no matter what, you know, we still see this today. We, we think racism is over and it's still here. You know, people still act like complete shitheads to people because of the color of their skin, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and so, um, you know, this is this was another great movie in that aspect of just telling a real story and anything like that. So Dr. Ted, sorry, this is not me talking about the movie. This is no. you. Your experience. <laughs> you, you sit down, you start watching Undiscovered Country. We'll, we'll give us some of your takes on this one. So again, without any context except for the previous
3: movie we discussed uh with uh the Wrath of Khan, that that was my first uh you know, foray into Star Trek. So I will admit my bias in that I had a little bit of context going into this movie, which is why I felt like actually for me personally, I enjoyed this one more than the first one. But again, it could have been simply as I knew the characters now understood the context and now I was able to, uh, you know, Appreciate it more as part of the story. Uh, Although you give me the context that this happened during the height of the Cold War with with Russia, that is really interesting because now I'm already thinking about parallels with the the mining planet and the Mm -hmm. snow. And it's like, oh shit! Like that that is a a beautiful, uh, you know, kind of a a, a parallel to to Mother Russia and Siberia. Mm -hmm too. So that's really cool. Uh, this might sound crazy, but to me, this movie watched, uh, and I'm a big fan of the Marvel franchise. And I thought this very much played like a Marvel movie and other yes, it might sound crazy, but he had the perfect mixed up things that were, uh, you know, that were relevant to, to everyday, uh, occurrences like you talked about the cold war which i didn't really realize but still i felt the context of the story was easily uh, understood by just people and again it was about the people and the conflicts between them more so than any technology or anything necessarily uh, especially with the the pseudo united nations uh and the klingons you know uh, being a part of that um uh, but you also had your funny moments like when Shatner like referred to himself as some kind of you know a- alien babe magnet and you know just little little funny quips here and there that were you know kind of good ways to kind of cut the tension between the more dramatic pieces of the story. So for me personally, between these movies, I actually found this one to be the most enjoyable. And, uh, it was just, just the mix of, of good action, good character development. And also I'm, I'm a huge comedy uh, geek myself. So th- those nice moments of, of comedic attention cutting were definitely appreciated. And I thought all in all, it was a little bit of everything for everybody. This, this particular piece.
2: We yeah. need breathing room. Earth, Hitler, 1938. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nine, yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, there's so many, and then like you know the scene at the end where the guy shoots at the president, and Kirk jumps in and says, "Oh, Kirk, USS Enterprise." You know, like he's telling the president who he is, even though the president knows who he is. He's like, you know, Kirk, USS Enterprise. You gotta you know? get shining. Yeah, he's gotta, gotta get, get shining. He's gotta okay, so I, he was, you know, over the top, rope yeah. to protect the president. You know, mm-hmm. but like, uh, you know, just so many good things. Christopher Plummer as a Klingon mm-hmm. general. And they're quoting Shakespeare and Klingon. Crazy. You know, and and all that scene. Yes. That was yeah, awesome. Yeah. And I don't know if you knew that. Uh that's Christopher Plummer from Sound of Music. So the guy who played the the Colonel in the Sound of Music, that's the same actor, uh, Christopher Plummer. Him and um, William Shatner have a relationship. When um Shatner was doing theater in Canada, he was the understudy for Christopher Plummer. And so um, he actually did some shows in, in in place of Christopher Plummer. So they've had a deep relationship. They've been wanting to do a Star Trek thing for a long time together. So this is kind of that culmination of Plummer and Shatner kind of working across each other, too, which is a really neat act. I think you see that in the relationship with the two of them. You know, I mean, Plummer sitting in the chair on the, on the Klingon ship at the end. And, uh, you know, he's, he's spinning around and going, cry havoc and let slip the dogs of war. I mean, just... Yeah the 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 acting in that um Pente, which in a in real life was there's a there is a Pente that was a real thing that was called the white man's graveyard instead of the alien's graveyard um, so people who were taken kind of it was i think if I remember is in the uh, the philippine island area so uh, sailors who were taken we that were sent there and they were guaranteed not to live and that's why they called it the white man's and it was called Rurapente. and mm-hmm. so there's a lot of really neat historical parallels in this movie you know and then like you said you see that even deeper relationship sulu's not on the ship but you know we see the first thing he does when the trial's going on he goes hey send a commander of enterprise ready to help whenever you need you know kind of like he's he's not going to follow the rules because he's going to help he's got that loyalty to that Mm -hmm. his that's what he considers his family you know um each one of those people consider themselves family to each other um Mm -hmm. You know, so it's such a good movie because you see, like you said, the deep interactions between each other. You're seeing them trying to overcome prejudice. I mean, I think that's such a great thing to show that, you know, people can grow. They can mm-hmm. kind of do those things that are better than what they were. Because we, we all think we're evolved, you know, in the show, they're evolved humans, as they call themselves. They're, they yeah. don't need money. They don't need the, we don't have money anymore. We don't have need for these things. But yet prejudice still exists in this evolved oh, yeah. human. You know, um, you know, so I guess right now, I guess next question is what character did you really gravitate to in this one, Dr. Ted? Which one stood out for you?
3: Oh, man. Uh, you know, it, it's really hard to, to deny Shatner, I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> just because I just again, this the little quips and whatnot. I feel like in this one, though, it, it more so than being vulnerable, I really like just his. his just kind of demeanor and disposition throughout the movie. Although I do, I do have a question and maybe y'all can answer me. Okay, again. How did they know who the real William Shatner was before they vaporized the imposter? Because I, I watched that back a couple of times and I still don't quite know how they knew that that wasn't the real Shatner that, that they, uh, killed, or uh, Captain Kirk rather.
2: Yeah, no, I, I think it was just one of those fifty-fifty things. I think Yeah, yeah. I'm either gonna kill the per I gotta kill all three anyway, so right. it doesn't matter. I'm gonna kill one, and then whoever's left is you know gets the right, yeah. Gets right the thing. They get beamed up. Okay, yeah, enough. yeah, because he was gonna kill those them anyway. Cause like he said, you know, killed while trying to escape, you know, that's the whole point. That's what he wanted, you know, kind of thing. He's trying, he's getting ready to that's the whole point. You know, he gets beamed up. He's like, "No, damn it, no." He's getting ready to tell me everything. He's like, "You want to go back?" He's like, "No, no, no, no." No, no, cool. no. It's you funny. know it's, it's a shame. What if
3: uh, you know, this was well before they started doing playing with like movies that are like parallel universes? Can you imagine if they would have uh, you know, made a parallel universe movie like what if they killed the wrong uh uh Captain Kirk? Yeah, can't? right. And it was the Commodore. Yeah.
1: The comic, Yeah. Well, they actually they did it back in an old episode an old original series episode, "Mirror, Mirror," where you had the crew of Kirk's Enterprise get beamed onto an alter, a, a another uh, universe's Enterprise, and the other universe's Enterprise were just evil, sadistic people called mm-hmm. the Terrans, and that's probably one of the greatest. Uh, well, it's considered one of the greatest original episodes ever. And you just see how evil they are. They're just yeah. evil, evil motherfuckers, like really yeah. bad people.
2: Yeah. So there is a there is a precedent for parallel. So um mm-hmm. we and then I think every series you set next generation has a mirror mirror type where you yeah. see these dark versions of Starfleet and the you know it's now the Terran Empire. It's no longer yeah. the Federation, it's Paran the Terran Empire. Empire, and they're they're taking over these things. And which makes for great episodes to watch, you know, yeah. um, Uh. next generation never touched that one. They did do it in comics, but never on the screen, which was interesting. Yeah. yeah um, it was.
1: Yeah. I said before it was too bad because how crazy it would have been. You see an evil Picard. Yeah. An evil Riker. Just, just Our data, m- Data just murdering people for no a, murder body a, murder a murder, a murder bot. Body. Yeah.
2: yeah. Actually
1: so. in the comic books, he is a murder bot in the comic yeah. book. Yeah. He's got, like Lord yeah. shit all really. over him. Yeah. 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 He's,
2: yeah. Evil, it's pretty neat, comics, so, yeah. Right. So if you, if you, I mean, if I on mean, it's comics. So not a lot of people are into comics, but it's a great storytell. Whoa, 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 whoa,
1: whoa! Graphic novel,
2: graphic <laughs> novels, graphic yeah. novel. Yeah. Okay. yeah, it's all the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. So yeah, comics then, are for nerds. Okay, uh, graphic novel Or for uh, sophisticated people. Yeah, but, there you go. So also, so in the Undiscovered Country, we see the, you know, the thing I think I found the most interesting when you watch this movie is you've got Federation and Klingon who hate each other and they don't want, you have people on both sides of the fence. They want to, some want to come together, some don't. And the ones that don't end up working together to keep themselves separate. I found Mm -hmm. that completely ironic that you've got, you know, Klingon ambassador and a Federation uh, admiral and you've got a Romulan yeah, the Romulans are just there to stir up shit, anyway. That's just Romulans. That was what fucking they did. Romulans. But you know that these people are working together. Done. Yeah, but to keep themselves separate, you know, like that was the I think ironic part is it's a conspiracy involving General Chang and Admiral Cartwright and you know all these people, and it's like, well, we want to keep things separate, but they're working together to do that. You know, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It, it was, I think that was a deep irony that a lot of people don't will catch when we watch this film that that's a part of it is that they're working together. They're all fine working together, but it's, they want to keep themselves separate, you know? And, Plus and Vulcan it, too. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Plus you know, uh,
1: Kim Cattrall, she was, yeah. she was involved
2: with it too. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, so how, Dr. Uh, Dr. Ted, this is a bit of a, si- a sense of a murder mystery. How do you think they played that one out with this, uh, and conspiracy type thing? How do you think they played this one out, you know, Compared to. I don't want to say compare it to Rafa Khan, but you know it's almost a different. Style it was. You know, it was a whole different. St- yes, it was a very different style of movie. Like the Wrath of Khan
3: was, you know, you're kind of straight up good versus evil. This was, you know, yeah, like he said, this was kind of like your thriller, murder mystery drama type of film. Uh, and I thought it was really well done. If I if I had any critique, I would say maybe it was just a little long in the tooth in the middle. Maybe they could have, uh, you know, clipped up a little bit more uh, just to just for the sake of story, keeping it flow. And I thought at some point it did feel like it kind of slowed down a little bit in the middle before picking back up again. Uh, but, and that's just being nitpicky because like I said, out of all, all three, I thought this was still my favorite, you know, I'd say, uh, well, I already lost track of what the question was. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, they're, they're just how, <laughs> how, how it no, went
3: no, I don't I don't know, I I out. Yeah, I, so yeah, I, I thought it was really good. Like I said, my only critique is maybe it was a little long in the tooth, but I thought it was, uh, in the middle, but even then I still enjoyed it. I just thought, you know, for maybe, uh, others who, you know, aren't as invested in the story, it maybe would have, uh, you know, Behoove them to, to clip out a little bit. But I thought, overall, all in all, this was good. I liked it a lot. Like I said, this was my favorite. It was a very different movie compared to the first one. Just like it, I'd say, this was a very different movie than the next one we're, we're going to talk about. Oh, yeah. The thing I liked about it is because you have the context of the, the characters within this universe. But they can play in several different ways, all the way from, you know, your, your traditional good and bad story versus your you know, thriller mystery, uh, murder mystery drama to, to a time heist type of movie, which, you mm-hmm. know, we're going to get into. So I, I think I really appreciate that about the Star Trek franchises. They're willing to play around with different scenarios uh, through the characters that can play very differently uh, between the movies, which I thought is really kind of a cool thing.
2: Right, and this was actually the last movie where the original series characters are all together. Yeah. Um, so you know, after this movie, we don't see them all together ever. No, that's uh, sad. Yeah. Yeah. And,
1: and actually, to tell you the truth, for me being a huge original series fan, this movie, like I watch, every time I watch this movie, and I love the part where you know Spock and Bones are working together performing surgery on the missile, and you hear Plumber just going crazy, just. Shouting out Shakespeare and just bombing the Enterprise, and you hear Bones, well, somebody shot him up, and then and then when then when the the missile gets ready to fire, I think that was the most badass Shatner he's ever been in his life. Where he gets out of the chair and he's like, "Fire!" and he just goes and just destroys the thing. I love that. I yeah, love the bird that of prey. Part. Yeah, the bird of prey. But then when it's the end, I I almost I cried the first time I saw it because I'm like, this is it. We're never gonna see. original cast together again where they're going to do a movie together so it was kind of the end of an era you know from like 1966 until it was 1989 that movie was made yeah
2: yeah yeah around there so you know it it was such a good aspect for that movie to -hmm. uh, you know to to end knowing that this is going to be the last time they're all together i felt it was a great closure it was yeah you know to really kind of do that so doctor now that you know that does that affect how you see the end of the movie a little bit more knowing that this is the last time that all of them are going to be together. Um, I
3: guess not too much. Cause I did, I did end up reading a little bit and saw this was the end, but I will say that I did like at the end, they did kind of wrap it all up in a nice little bow and, and acknowledge through captain Kirk that although this was the last mission for for them as a crew, that there would continue to be more that would, uh, I continue to oh fuck I can't think of the damn uh, go boldly go where no man is gone or uh, right yeah yeah Yeah. and which I you know even though I wasn't you know into Star Trek I knew that line I was like okay that's the big the big catchphrase Mm -hmm. that Captain Kirk has so I like I like that that despite you know I I was thinking to myself okay this is. Context from years and years and years of TVs and movies, and that this was their last little thing. So, in that context, I, I liked it. Could there have been other ways? Could they have wrapped it up differently, similar to like uh, you know how? I, I hate to keep going back and forth, but I think that's Molly frame of references, like the Star mm-hmm. Wars. But then you have the people who saw the uh, the uh, the new Star Wars and thought it was too much of you know playing up the the old tropes for a nostalgia sake versus telling an original story. Mm-hmm. So. To that, I'd say this is the answer to that because this you had an original story that just did play on old tropes. Sure, you had characters that have been around, like, uh, you know, your Spock and your uh, Captain Kirk, but at the same time, it it was still a brand new story with context of characters that we knew, but in a new and a new way of seeing them, I guess, right. a different story. So, so in that sense, I really appreciated that and yeah. liked it. So yeah, you could, could have people that might say, you know, this didn't maybe pay enough tribute or have enough throwbacks to the things that, you know, the original crew was about, but to me that, that would lose sight of what, the Star Trek is truly about, and that's exploring new adventures Exactly. Time. and so, to me, that that would have uh, kind of been a disservice to the franchise to to just do a bunch of throwbacks and nostalgia. This was about a new original story, a new adventure, and that's what they gave us, and in that sense, yeah. I, I
2: liked it a lot. And being that this has a lot more comedy than, you know, Rathicon and some of the other ones, um, yeah. did you have a favorite comedy moment in this movie?
1: Uh-oh Uh uh-oh uh-oh we lost the doctor oh
2: dang right when I asked a great question
1: (laughs) he's like all right I'm out (laughs) (laughs) well well guys listen hopefully Dr. Tell will come back in here soon enough
0: now a word from our sponsors RussoBrand.com where the pros are pros bro hear the most valid opinions in wrestling from the pros who live it no other podcasting platform and online wrestling punditry has the lineup of wrestling stars like Rusobrand.com. Stevie Richards, Disco Inferno, Shane Douglas, Just Incredible, Big Vito, Stevie Ray, Taylor Hendricks, Bin Hameen. And now there's even more shows on the way with a partnership with the two-man power trip. Why would you go anywhere else but RussoBrand.com? The doc is
3: back. The doc. And the doctor is back. Heat <laughs> on Ben Hamine for that one. He just sent me a, a meeting link so we could do a, a staff meeting, and so I I clicked, I clicked that on accident, he got me out of here. So
1: fucking heat on uh, Hameen. You
3: know, I have no fear. He can he can have heat with me, but yeah, uh,
1: yeah, he's, he's he's trying to come over my house and, and slap the fuck on, and be like, if moron, let let Doctor Ted come to my meeting. <laughs> <laughs>
3: better you than me yeah,
1: exactly yeah I'm, I'm only i only live like five minutes away from the missile silo so yeah
3: you're you're in, you're
1: in <laughs> yeah. the red zone Oh, well, i am definitely in the zone <laughs> yeah.
2: all right so favorite comedy was there a comedy moment that stood out for you in this movie uh I,
3: honestly the the main one is the one I, I mentioned when i know he he referenced himself being an, an alien uh you know uh like, like sex god or whatever not a sex god you know what i mean like he, he was yeah. alien alien ladies and out Yeah. You know, Stuff like that. And then there was also uh, just the back and forth, like we talked about where he had the imposter is like, no, he, he's the one. No,
1: he's
3: the one. Yeah. There <laughs> <was pretty> are <laughs> I mean, just little moments like that. It wasn't like it was anything overly, you know, intellectual or, 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 you know, like, Oh man, that was such a smart joke. It was just more opportune moments. And then to me, that's, that's even funnier. Like I'm all about, you know, just when when an opportune moment happens that you just cut it through uh, cut through the tension a little bit with his equipment. Yeah. And so I thought, you know, just in general, his demeanor throughout the movie; those two in particular stand out. But I, I thought, as a comedic, uh, it, not, not a performer, but you know, for those comedic scenes, I, he did a really great job in general with them. So I'd yeah. say, if I had to pick out anyone for those comedic scenes, it was for sure, you know, Captain Kirk, uh, William Shatner's Captain Kirk in, in the movie. Yeah. Pretty much any time, you know, he had a, a quick quip within there. Yeah,
2: yeah. All
3: Spock
1: right, got well, some, uh, Spock, Spock had some Spock so, Spock had a couple of good ones where the. Oh, you're right the, about the one. Yeah. Yeah. The first one, it's like, Jim, ancient Vulcan proverb, only Nixon could go to China. And, yeah. that was, I, and then and then at the end, where he's like, I um, think you guys would say, go to hell.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's just. Yeah, cuz you got to remember so this is after, this is two movies after his reboot um uh from 4. So he's still learning humor again. He's still mm-hmm. kind of learning how things work. He knew it at, you know, in 2 a little bit. And um, you know, he basically had to relearn everything. And we see that in 4 and in 5 a little bit. And so in this, that's why it, it's kind of like well, why is he saying it that way? Well, it's because He's still grasping humor. He's still kind of relearning how to be that that human aspect of him a little bit because he's so vocal. Uh, and yeah. so that's why it's like, well, he said stuff like that before, but it's like um he's still learning that concept yeah. of this is when this goes where kind of thing. And so um that's that's kind of a small premise behind it a little bit. So um, so we've got. I think we squeezed everything we can out of six. Mm-hmm. So now it's time to kind of jump into the next generation, and um, we're going to talk about what is first it? Your number or contact? All right, first, first contact. contact. So first contact is. Uh, so they had a movie before first contact, which was called Generations. So that's mm-hmm. where um, Shatner and Captain Picard, uh, you know, Patrick Stewart. Uh, work together to solve a problem. And it's kind of passing the torch. They do a passing the torch type of thing. Um and so now the next generation crew are doing their thing. And um Triple D, I don't remember, were they done with Next Generation when they did first first contact? Yeah,
1: they were actually they were actually yeah they, they were done with Next Generation when they did first contact and uh, because they they stopped Next Gen after I think six seasons to start the movies. Mm-hmm so, right. so so when they started the movies, that was it. So Generations was the first one to kind of be the end of. So that was going to start the next generation movie franchise. And they thought they could get as many years out of Next Gen as they could out of the original series. But unfortunately, uh, Nemesis kind of led to the end of that, unfortunately. Yeah.
2: So. yeah, so I mean, so and that was the thing is, uh, if you watch Next Generation, you see some changes in the uniforms, the changes in the technology. They have the com badges, so now the badges on them, you know, are communicators and kind of locators. You have different style things where now, um, when you get the first contact, this is what those are the uniforms that you would see if you watch Deep Space Nine, um, mm-hmm. in the later part of Deep Space Nine. Those are how the uniforms look. They called them the Dominion War uniform, um, kind of aspect for it. So Dr. Ted, this is a next generation, completely new crew, completely new people involved, and a completely different style story. Again, give us some of your takes on this. So I'll I'll actually say, I hate to say, I think
3: between the three movies, uh, this one probably didn't hold my... uh, not necessarily my interest, but my attention as as well. And I don't know if just it was because the story or I'll be honest, maybe it was just myself on that particular night. I just was maybe more tired after a day of work. I don't know. But I felt like this story in general, at least for me at at the time I watched, wasn't as easily followed as the other two. And I don't know, again, if that's just for me or if it's because truly the story was was more uh, intricate maybe. That's not necessarily knocking the movie. It just could have been for my attention span at that moment in time. It just wasn't uh, working for me, but at the same time, I at least appreciated that the, the new, uh, nuances of these characters, these weren't just a rehashing of the old characters, uh, under new names and, uh, new looks, you know, this was a whole new cast and crew of characters that had their own new personalities and characteristics. And so, and maybe that's part of the reason why, you know, maybe I I had already through the two movies kind of endeared myself to the old characters. And so it was hard in in a short amount of time to say, okay, now I got to, you know, relearn who these new people are. But I thought uh, John Luke Picard. Uh, I forget the actor's name, but uh, he always Patrick really, Stewart. Patrick Stewart. Yeah, he always does an excellent job of whatever role he's in. I thought uh, same here. You know, you could tell. You know, he he very much had uh, the presence as a captain and as an authority figure, but yet someone that also uh, had you know some 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 empathy, but at the same time trying to let his empathy cloud his judgment uh, as as a captain. And so I thought, you know, he played that up really well. I I am curious though, just out uh, of not get too far away from the movie, did they ever have any moment where the old crew uh, ran into the new crew, like kind of had like a, a offloading, or, uh, or on, they, onboarding, I should say, uh, type of sort Yeah, they
1: they had a uh, they had one episode where they brought in the in the in the, in the first episode of uh, Next Generation, they had DeForest Kelly, who played Bones. He had a small bit part at the end where Data was like showing him the new Enterprise, and, and Bones is like, "Boy, you sound like one of them boys with pointy ears, but I don't see no pointy ears on you." And you know, Data's like, "Well, I'm actually an android." So, so Data reminded McCoy a little bit of Spock, and then they had a uh, episode with uh, with uh, Jimmy Duhan Scotty, where they found Scotty in a um, transporter. Uh, uh, if I'm in a, a transporter um, buffer and they brought him back to life, that was a really good episode. That's and, cool. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And and then they, and it it showed, you know, that, that time had passed him by and he, he he was one of the greatest, you know, enge- engineers at that time, but the technology has just advanced so far that he just felt kind of out of place, but it, it was a really, it was done really, really well. Yeah. And then they had a two parter where they had Spock in it. So, and that was, Nell that was the big one. That was like, <laughs> The two parter where it shows Bob trying to reunite uh, uh, Vulcan and uh, Romulus t- together. So, wow,
2: yeah. So, so they, they did have all those tie ins, and then like I said, they had the generation movie before. That's when mm-hmm. where Kirk and Picard kind of you know Shatner kind of passed the torch to steward so but in the show that's kind of those those three main touch points of those different characters coming in deforest kelly in the in the pilot episode kind of passing that you know like he's he mentions like you know treat the ship well and she'll take care of you because it's the yeah. same enterprise you know kind of that that aspect you know talking about that and then you know he's, he's like 100 and something years old um so they got to make up as a really old man um the fact that I think next generation takes away like 70 years after the original series and the movies. Mm-hmm. So when you, when James do and Scotty shows up, you know, he's a brilliant engineer. He, you know, his ship has crashed into this mysterious object and he, him and he tries to save another guy by basically putting, putting him in a transporter buffer pattern where they're just kind of recycling their pattern for, and it just goes indefinitely. And they, mm-hmm. he can, because it's degraded so badly, he's the only one survived. And then he talks to, the La Forge character who's the chief engineer for you know enterprise and La Forge is like, Well, no, we've got this now, we've got this now. And he's, you know, and but he does do stuff like, hey, multiply your, you know, tell them, tell them an hour, and when you do it in 30 minutes, you're gonna look like a miracle worker. You know, <laughs> yeah, he gives them that kind of like, you know, don't give them the full thing, just give him, yeah. you know, an estimate cut it a little double it, and then you come back and you look like a miracle worker. You know, that uh-huh. funny aspect of because you know he was always the miracle worker, the thing that got things done and uh they to throw that to kind of pass that torch to Jordy. in that sense um, there was that so uh, so, it, it was so, right. it was so my question then is so to so this
3: enterprise is supposed to be it's not just a new this isn't a new ship is it or is it it, it is it, it's, 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 a brand it's a new ship, ship yeah. that they call the enterprise okay yeah, just making sure right. i'm on it, the right page
2: yeah so so basically in star trek the universe there have been you have the original series one which is called the nc 10, uh, 1701 and that's no no letters yeah. In the movie, um, which uh, in Wrath of Khan, that was the A. They refitted it. Well, well, the- hold on. Yeah. Bad. Yeah, that that
1: cool. You need the re. Great. So, okay. So, let me. So, yeah. you have the original series, which is the NCC uh, 1701, which is the original ship from right. the series. Then, the motion picture, they did an 18 month refit of that ship and they called that the Enterprise Refit. And then, Wrath of Khan, the 1701A. And then, this the 1701 B. And then which there was, was generations. That was, was the generation. yeah, gener- generations. And then you had the uh seventeen oh one C, which was never really showed in a movie, or in the well, it was shown in one of the next generation episodes. Yeah. And then you have the D, which was from next generation, and the E, which is from the the, the movie. Yeah. So
2: Yeah. So so what you what you're saying is the E, the the fifth generation mm-hmm. kind of of the, the stylization of the starship. So that's not even the original ship that Picard and then worked on in the series. You know, oh, wow. it, it was a more saucer shaped, you know, bigger saucer shape at the top, not mm-hmm. as elongated, not as like hot rod looking as this thing. Yeah. Because the idea being the, the, the production, the production idea is you're going to build a new shape for the movies. But and the, the the way they're going around is we're fighting the Borg. We want these ships to be able to lower profile, you know, less you know targeting areas. They're going to have anti-Borg type technology on it to keep the Borg from doing that because the Borg were a constant factor from the beginning, mm-hmm. from really from the pilot episode, um, Far Point Station, on. You know, we have Q interfere and the Borg find out about the you know Federation, and then they start coming. Picard gets taken by them, and then the, his crew saves him the Borg are always a thing that were there for the longest time. And so this mm-hmm. is kind of that uh, wrapping the bow from the, Kind mis- of full circle, kind of deal. So, everything
3: okay. Yeah. I, I, I see and hearing that, I can appreciate that. And I guess maybe yeah. that was maybe lost on me as someone coming into the franchise from from nothing and not having any kind of frame of reference, right? And which is, um,
2: which is why I think that part of the story before we talk about the movie needs to be told so you can understand this yeah. is kind of closing that gap because they didn't do it in the, in the original, they didn't do it mm-hmm. in the next generation. So, this kind of closes that Borg, you know gap a little bit. And then we, we know Picard has PTSD, but we, we finally see it emanate in this moment, you know, because after he gets safe from the board, there's not really a lot of boring interaction um, in next generation um, uh, and straight board per se, you know, there's some things with data's brother lore and stuff like that, but this is his first interaction with the board post having been assimilated. And so we see how his PTSD just really comes out um, in, in that aspect of it. So, all right. So now that you know that let's, let's, uh, what, what would you say, um, would be the highlight of this movie for you, Dr. Ted? What
3: stood out? Uh, it, it's, it's hard to say. And, and, you know, and, and maybe I, I did it a disservice because even as I'm trying to reflect back on it, you know, I, I can't think of a particular scene that stands out. And and so that may be more on me and, and not really giving it, uh, it's, its full attention, Um, And I think, again, part of that and I I like having at least the explanation that these were characters that were brought in uh, as part of this, the cyclical part of the story, because I guess when I started watching it, I didn't understand that. So I just assumed, okay, they're just Star Trek, but now they just have new characters and there was no continuation from the previous crew. And so I guess that was lost on me, too. So I was just more so trying to pick up from that. But uh, I I really like, though, actually now reflecting back on what kind of what you said, the scenes that kind of implied and showed the uh, PTSD of of John Luke Picard. And I think that I really like in part because it kind of goes back to the theme we keep talking about, how every part of the Star Trek movies tells some sort of story about the human condition, you know, whether it be. Wrath, you know, like we talked about from the first one with Khan, whether it be about uh, a despair that was kind of in the second one, you know, and trying to find their way out of the, the mining colony. And then here talking about, you know, post-traumatic stress. I mean, there's real emotions that people can relate to through the context of a, a of a space drama, which is really kind of cool. And to me, I think that speaks volumes as to why Star Trek has always, you know, for for decades now, been a part of uh, pop culture in a sense, because it has real stories that people can relate to. And so while I can't necessarily, I guess, pick out a single scene reflecting back on Jean-Luc Picard, showing those symptoms of, of having post-traumatic stress and showing just really the human nature of a condition like that, to me, that is what really is, is a crucial part of storytelling is having something that the viewer at home can emotionally invest in and relate to. Mm-hmm. And so that, I think, uh, was was really a, a big part of, of this story being told.
2: OK. And now we we also have a time travel aspect in this aspect. Mm-hmm. Of they're going the border going back to time to stop first contact where humans first meet Vulcan's. And then from there, it explodes to the you know, United Federation of Planets and things along those lines. Um, so th- how did that work for you? Because that does kind of go before the original series. It kind of sets up of this is the moment that's going to blow up everything that's going to build this in giant, basically this franchise. This is the moment yeah. that. So how, how did that work for you as far as storytelling goes?
3: And I think that's where maybe some of the context, like probably if I had watched some of the original series, I would have had a better understanding. Maybe even if I would have watched some of the other movies, I'd have more context understanding of of kind of what was going on. Um, But I'd say, again, maybe that's where I felt kind of lost or the story felt more, I guess, convoluted. I hate to use that word because certainly I don't think necessarily it was over convoluted. I just think more so I didn't have an understanding of the intricacies of the story. Um, and so I thought that part is fine. And so I, I'm really going to put it more on myself as is not having that that context ahead of time to really appreciate mm-hmm. it for for what it was. But I didn't think especially compared to other time heist type movies where you can really lose sight of uh, just the parts of the story to where it can get really kind of co- really convoluted, actually convoluted to where it's like, OK, you're not obeying the laws of that you created earlier in the movie. I felt like they they stayed true to the law, the laws of time travel that they created at the beginning and didn't. Get a sense of that being thrown off. And so, from that standpoint, I thought at least, you know, it, considering time travel stories can get really kind of uh, inundated with with details getting lost, I thought at least this seemed like to follow, uh,
2: you know, at least a certain trajectory of things that they held true to throughout the movie. Yeah. And one sense. thing, no, it does, because Star Trek has prided itself on that. They have physicists in astrophysicists and people science type people um who always are incorporated as advisors to make sure what they're doing is at best plausible you know it's it's not so out of the realm of reality that you know we we don't understand how like i'm gonna in the other star based movies we have a a laser sword or how their hyperdrive works or things along those lines Um, this is, you know, there is scientists and advisors who sit there and make sure everything is on par for if not, it's not that it's impossible. But right now we don't have the technology to do it. It could be plausible if we could do this, this and this, you know. Yeah. And so I think that's the, the thing is they ha- they're very strict about the laws they set, the things that they do, how mm-hmm. things work you know, all that kind of aspect for it. Yeah. And to where it ties into original from original series all the way to, you know, discovery, which is the most recent one. There's still that some universal truths yeah. in those things because they they're they're they there's a person whose job it is is to understand the context and lore and the laws that are set by the universe to make sure they're being followed in scripts and, and everything along those lines. And so Dr. Oh,
1: I'm sorry John and no, go I just ahead. want I just want to ask Dr. Ted so we so you've met the Borg. Yes. And you know the Borg are all about the hive mind, half human, half machine. Now, me personally, whenever I see a Borg in an episode of Next Generation, it scares the living shit out of me because I see what's going on now here in 2020 and 2021 where you have Elon Musk trying to have this neural link to have a and also, to the, the the things of like nanobots and people's bloods and people trying to become transhumanism. Now, now I'm not going to lie to you. This movie scares the living shit out of me because the Borg scared the shit out of me because that's kind of where I see the human race going into the future. Did you kind of get that vibe a little bit from, from like the Borg and how you relate now to 2020 and 2021?
4: I, w-
3: I would say so. And I think anytime I see a type of movie and it seems like they're making more and more of them, it makes you wonder if it's a, if it's almost like predictive programming. In exactly. A sense. But, you know, because I've seen, you know, I, I'm trying to think of the one movie, I think it was a Pacific Rim where they had the, the alien creatures that all had the half mind as well. And it seems mm-hmm. like this half mind type of deal, whether it's, it's with technology or, or other species, they're, they're trying to, to imply like, I mean, it's basically how you can take a group of beings and make them all work as one. And it's a scary thought because obviously yeah. as, as an individual and as a person, we only are as powerful <laughs> as ourselves. Now, granted, you know, there's certainly great uh, circumstances where, you know, within the military or even as, as silly as like an, an improv troop, you know, you yeah. can get together and have kind of a group mind and achieve great things together. Mm-hmm. But when you can weaponize it and and make it as part of an AI technology, man, that's scary because yeah. that's part surpasses our ability as a physical human to, yeah. to be able to do the things that a machine might be capable of doing. So yeah, to that degree, that 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 type of scenario and, and this included always kind of gives me a, a little bit of goosebumps because it, it really makes you wonder if at some point that will become a, a plausible uh, thing for us, you know, something that yeah. really well exists in the
1: universe. Yeah. And, and plus two, we had, I'm sorry, John, you know, I'm right. sorry, John. And plus two, you had the one scene too in First Contact where uh, Picard was in the holodeck, and it was like the, it was like 1920s, and he basically turned the safety protocols off, and he was killing Borg, and he was killing you know the Borgs, but among those Borgs were some Starfleet officers there, and the the one girl goes, oh "My God, don't you feel it?" He goes, "No." He goes, "They're not human anymore," and you just see like the hatred for the Borg that Picard has, how much he hates them, and. I mean these are his these are his officers, you know, not even, you know, twenty-four hours ago. These are people that he knew, people that he had contact with, and he just kills them without any like with no with no remorse. Yeah. And I think that just goes to show, you know, the PTSD and how much hatred he has for him, like for what the Borg made him do, you know, when he got assimilated by them. So mm-hmm. it's it's that that to me, that was a powerful scene to me.
3: And and (laughs) to (laughs) me, that's where Star Trek does an excellent job of, of, you know, these slice of life, you know, and these what if scenarios, because I think, you know, there's there's little things that, you know, even in the future, you know, (laughs) things are still very, very much on, on a spectrum of, you know. How good is is this? Does the means justify the ends here? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And and what are, what are the consequences of uh, emerging technologies and what we use with them? And so Star Trek, I think, very much has been on the forefront of that. And I think that's that's really cool and also very scary because it relates back to, you know, just like in real life, you know, how yeah. far are we willing to go and what are the risks associated with it? With- you know weaponizing things of such nature right
2: yeah so dr ted one of the common things that people like to say is the board are like space zombies did you get that feel when you watched the board that they were like just space zombies per se or do you feel that they were unique enough to not have to justify that comparison i I didn't get the space zombie vibe i got that they were just you know sentient,
3: uh kind of just uh, almost like a robot like more so, more so than zombie like I'd say, uh, at least from my standpoint, I didn't get the zombie vibe necessarily. Although I can certainly I, I can see that uh, and see how people would maybe get that vibe. But for me personally, I didn't I didn't necessarily pick up on that.
2: Yeah. So that's that's sometimes some people's complaints where they're like, oh, this is just a space zombie movie that, you know, things along those lines. But I think once again, it goes back to they're not looking at the deeper story that is to being told and, and the, the richness of it. Now, there's a big thing in this is that, you know, data is trying to be more human um, and that that's how, you know, and there's a funny joke at the end where he says, you know, it was like 0.47 seconds. I mean, for an Android, that's a really long time that he considered her <laughs> offer. We're seeing that aspect of it Um that, so, it, it, you you haven't seen Data's progression though, you know, from when you originally see him in the beginning of Star Trek: uh, Next Generation to where he's completely not aware of how humans interact whatsoever, to where he has relationships, he builds friendships, he mm-hmm. you know does all these things, he learns poker, and he learns like even though you know like you know he learns about bluffing in poker and things along those lines, and so now he's got an emotion chip that was given to him. Um, we're seeing those aspects of it, um, you know, where they're getting ready to go in and, and he's explaining to Captain Picard about the emotion chip. And he's like, data, we'll turn it off. He goes, okay. And he goes, sometimes I envy you data because, you know, we have that. He's his, his, his goal is to be human. He wants to be human. Um, and I'll uh, say right there, that was one
3: of my favorite scenes too that you just brought up. I, I, I just recalled it as you were saying it. Yeah. when he envied him for being able to turn off his, his emotion chip.
4: Right. Uh,
2: <laughs>
3: And I'm like, yeah, don't we all wish we could do that? <laughs>
2: right, yeah. Well, and especially for Picard to be saying that because we know what he's going through. Um, yeah. And then, you know, Data is able to turn these emotions off. And then but at the same time. So uh, how did that relate to you where you see this android who is getting human skin grafted on him and becoming to become more human? How did that, you know. Affect you as far as dealing with that character or anything along those lines?
3: Well, I'd say certainly, Data probably was my favorite character in this one. It was most interesting to me, and and seeing that journey of you know wanting to become human, but also recognizing as a human that the pitfalls and the downfalls that John Luke Picard alluded to. You know, just be. You know, you might want that emotion, but just so you know, it's, it's not all it's cracked up to be either, mm-hmm. you know. And so I thought that was an interesting uh, kind of side story besides the board being the primary story it was kind of also going back to almost the weirdly enough, the, the human nature of the story was really data's kind of journey through wanting to become more human. And, and what are the costs associated with being human and having emotion, as we saw with the PTSD with John Luke Picard? So I thought that was kind of an interesting Kind of side story, but in a, in a way,
2: it was almost really the more more pressing part of the story, too, in, in yeah. a sense for, from a human standpoint. Yeah. So what would you consider A, B and C? So I would say there's three storylines here. There's there's data wanting to be human. There's Picard PSD, PTSD, PTSD. And then there's the Borg, um, you know, trying to change time and stopping first con- first contact. Which which of them? I mean, I, th- I know you kind of said that, but which one do you feel I think name? I think the story is. I think the story really
3: encapsulates what what are the costs of uh, really uh, being being human uh, in a sense. So I think that encapsulates both Data's journey to becoming human and the Card's journey to uh, dealing with his post-traumatic issues versus the Borg itself. I feel like was more like a storyline device or a backdrop for those stories, great. There were still parts of those stories that had to be told, but I really feel like it was more of a device, more so than the story itself. I feel like the story itself was really the the cost of becoming more human, and, mm-hmm. and what it can mean for characters as individuals.
2: Right, and I, I think one thing we also see too is how sometimes we put people on pedestals um, when we look at the Zefram Cochrane character. All you know, everybody from the crew of the Enterprise is looking at Zefram Cochrane, <laughs> man, and he's like, "I'm just a drug and I'm doing this for money." You know, I want money, <laughs> and you know, but we we know he does eventually change, but. Mm-hmm it's that idea of, you know, what does they say? Never meet your heroes because, you know, they're going to disappoint kind of aspect of it. Um, you know, I think that's another aspect of the humanity we have. you and know may, And maybe I'd also say, maybe it
3: goes down to values too. what What is it as as humans or or as entities really? Cause it, you know, data's not a human. What is it that we value? You know what I mean? Data wants to become more human because he wants to have more of that emotional context of understanding uh, John Picard, you know, necessarily doesn't want to have that emotional understanding, wants to be able to, his, he values being able to, to not having to be in the stress of things, you know, uh, like to some degree anyway. And so uh, what's his name? Uh, you just talked about, he values money. And so we, I think really when you think about it, maybe it's really more about what is it that, what, what values do we have as either humans or other entities that drives us to do the things that we do?
2: Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Triple D, do you, do you have anything else? You think there's anything else we can squeeze out of this this up in this movie?
1: One one last thing about first contact. I was talking to uh, AEW uh, lead commentator Tony Schiavone because Tony Schiavone is a huge Star Trek mark, which I found that out listening to his podcast with that I don't know with some oh, mortgage man. guy with some mortgage guy. I don't know. Uh, who
3: knows? Yeah, this whatever his who, name.
1: Who, who, the, who yeah. the hell? Who the hell is he?
3: You big man johnson or whatever his name yeah
1: is. Whatever, whatever whatever the fuck his <laughs> name is but um so he was talking about star trek and the mortgage guy was like was ripping on star trek and i'm like dude fuck this guy and so so tony called because like i bought a t-shirt we started talking we started talking about star trek and he's like i love first contact that was my favorite one and i remember when i went to the movie theater you know, we're else? And then at the end, when it's the Vulcans, he goes, "Everyone lost their mind." And he kind of like it's like it's a stink thing. Was it's like, "It's the Vulcans." He kind of <laughs> did like that for me on the phone. I was like, "All right, I like it." So, 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 first contact. Tony Shivani's favorite Star Trek movie. So, really,
3: there. it sounds like you're all gonna have to get him on the show at some point too.
1: I, uh, you know, sure. we got to work on that. Like, yeah, get, absolutely. I like to get Tony and also too, Leva Bates, who plays the librarian. She wrestled as Spock. Uh, in a, in a match, thing a few years ago. So, mm-hmm.
2: oh, cool. Yeah, I mean, there's quite a few. Cody's a big Star Trek guy. Yeah, Cody. Yeah. Uh, well,
1: well all, all I mean, listen, we we had the big Star Trek fan, yeah, yeah. Lance Archer. I mean, we literally, literally, liter literally, 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 literally the biggest the Star Trek fan.
2: Were yeah, the biggest. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, the that's all we have for today. I do have one <laughs> new story for for Doctor Ted.
3: I had one quick thing too I just wanted to to ask uh, If you all were aware At least I, when I was reading That the first contact originally Instead of going back to the mid-21st century I guess they were planning on uh, Doing it within the context of the European renaissance But I think oh, they figured okay. it would be too, too kitschy uh, For it But I was curious if you all One, if you all had any uh, Or were aware of that And two, if what your all's opinions on that would be If they would have switched it up to <laughs>
1: I wasn't aware of that But man, that would have been something Imagine seeing fucking Warp back in the Renaissance. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh, my God. You might have
3: been too campy, though, if they would have gone Oh, yeah,
1: that would have been. Yeah. I think they saved that for – now, listen. Everyone rags on the next movie, Insurrection, because everyone's like, oh, it's fucking campy. But You needed something like that from First Contact because First Contact was so fucking serious. And insurrection was – now, mind you. Insurrection still told a great story. Insurrection told the mm-hmm. story of, you know, sort of like a story, a tale as old as time about Relocation. removing people, yeah, about re- re-relocation and stuff like that. So that was a really good movie, and also too, you know, it, it had some it had some comedy bits in it too, which which was good. Jonathan Franks, Will Riker actually directed that movie, so. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So, and, you know, I, I think I think, you know, I, I think putting it in this time period was was important because it this is a pivotal moment in the history of humanity, because if Zephyr Cochrane Cochran doesn't meet the Vulcans, we don't have Starfleet. Mm-hmm. And so there's nothing to protect Earth. There's no Jean-Luc Picard. So that's why we see, you know, when we see it, they're caught in the vortex. They're seeing Earth change, you know, into this Borg world because there was no Starfleet. There was nobody to protect Earth. There was nobody there to kind of do the things they needed to do. So the board were able to just walk right in and do what they needed. So uh, because Earth would have stayed divided, they would have stayed, you know, in the state they were in post World War three kind of aspect. So I think going to this timeline made a lot more sense than going to, you know, you know, the Renaissance period, because I think you, you have to go, Okay, how do I stop the Federation from coming? And this is the moment that does that. You know, really, it's more it it makes more sense for that to happen than to go to the Renaissance period. It's like, right. Well, and plus
3: all of us know as people that, you know, that didn't happen during the Renaissance versus
2: we can plausibly
3: feel like, oh, maybe who knows in the future. Something like that could happen.
2: Yeah, exactly. Was it? They say Mad Max happened in 2021. So, hey. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, oh, who, who knows what this year's going to bring? How far so, we
1: how far away are we from Mad Max? That's all I got to <laughs> yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. T
2: minus. <laughs> yeah, T minus.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, T minus three months. Who knows? Jesus. So I do. I do. We normally do a lot more news stories, but we didn't today since we had you. But I do have one news story for you. I thought now that you've watched some of these, you have a better connection with it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna send out the bosun's whistle for this one last news story. And here we go. So the last news story that I, the only news story I have for this week is um, James Duhan, the guy who played Scotty. Um, we found out that um, you know he was a real life badass. He fought in World War II. D Day was shot. Was survived by you know um, survived getting shot in the chest because his brother gave him a silver cigarette case. Was a fighter pilot. All kinds of things. Um, when he died, um, apparently now it just came out that 12 years ago. This uh, private astronaut, this guy who has a, a private astronaut company where he would send people up, he snuck some ashes of James <laughs> Doohan onto the International Space Station. It was wow. super clandestine. The family approached him. His son approached him. And, like, he had already packed everything, said, this is what I'm taking. And so he snuck it on board. And for the last 12 years, they finally revealed that James Doohan's ashes has been in space. Because that was his that was his wish. He wanted to be buried in space because of Star Trek and and everything along those lines. And so they snuck it on board and it's been up there for 12 years. And They've said he's been around wow. the world like so many times and been 70 million miles and, you know, things along those lines. So, Dr. Ted, now that you know Scotty and that this is where some of his ashes are, are on the International Space Station, orbiting space. Do you think there's a better place for, for someone like Scotty to be? Well when you when you oh,
3: absolutely that. not unless it was you know on a, a light speed uh, or a rocket right out to the edges of mm-hmm. the space but otherwise you know just being circulating uh, orbiting around the earth uh, for, for over a decade now that's that's pretty remarkable and pretty cool and as we spoke earlier about things going full circle that's that's a cool slice of life story how even in real life things come full circle uh, quite literally, <laughs> literally. The
4: uh,
3: but that that's really cool and I, I appreciate the fact that you know both the family had the willingness to approach the astronaut about it and and uh, for, I forgot who you said it was, but that uh, the astronaut had the, uh, the the courage to to sneak it on, despite you know what what he was uh, I'm sure uh, supposed to be doing. You know, I'm sure right. Given the, the go ahead, otherwise they would have just asked NASA or whoever. But so the fact that was willing to do that for him
2: uh, to to dedicate that to his memory and and his life, I, I think that's very very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now Elon Musk and SpaceX did launch some of his ashes in 2012, but this was before that. So this is in uh, 20, um, you know, in uh, 2008, it was a guy by the name of Richard Garrett. He has he has uh, he was a private, you know, when you pay to go to space with the Russians were doing this to fund their space program. And so that's that's kind of the the names of the story that, that were done. And then so later, Elon Musk did take some more ashes and they shot him out of space. On one of the rock, one of their SpaceX rockets. Okay, so there you go. So he is he is heading out to the center he, of space. He is heading out to the center of space too. So <laughs> you know that's that's a uh, you know I think you know I love when we see some of these like like you say full circle slice of life things with Star Trek because you know it it just makes for you know it just makes that much more richer when we watch these things when you see yeah. you know James Doohan and now when I and when they tell you hey the International Space Station is going to be visible in your area it's going to be like. I can see Scotty, you know, from today, you know? How cool is that,
3: you know? And as as if if this next year's anything like the previous year, I'll be yelling beat me up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'll look up right. I- <laughs> right, right. So Dr.
2: Ted the, coming on. Two to, the beam, yeah. up. to yeah. the beam up. Two beam up. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So so I guess the question becomes is, you know, what's your, what's next for you watching Star Trek wise? Are you going to be watching movies? Are you going to try some series out? What's, what's next for you? As a probably if I was going to watch anything, well,
3: one, I'm always up for recommendations. So if you all have anything in particular, but I, I'd say I'm probably more in, in clients to watch a, a movie versus series only versus right now. There's so many television shows. I literally had quite, Quite literally, have a list of maybe uh, fifty different shows that I'm still in line to watch. Great, I'm glad to put Star Trek in in that rotation as well. But uh, I probably have a better opportunity to catch a flick uh, coming up soon. It sounds like though I should check out that little trilogy from uh, like three and four. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Two. Maybe I'll start with those and then uh, we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. Star Star Trek three is good because uh, the the main antagonist in Star Trek three is. Christopher Lloyd, who plays a Klingon. Oh, yeah.
4: nice! Yeah, Star Trek. So,
1: and and I've and uh, Star Trek IV is a really good movie. It's got a lot of good humor in it, mm-hmm. and also too, it also shows, also too, in towards like the end of the movie, towards the ending of the movie, how medical technology has advanced, and it shows how, like, because it, the doctor says he wants to do this one procedure to check off and. Bones looks at and one goes. Are we in the goddamn Dark Ages or something? Seriously, yeah. you know. So it, it shows, and it That's shows cool. that yeah. frequency is used to heal a lot of things. And there's a big, and there's always been that big debate on frequencies because there was a guy that I think in like in the early 1900s had I forgot his fucking name now. Jesus, he had a he created like a device that it attacked vir- attacked like uh, viruses. And cancer adds frequency because every living organism has a frequency. Yeah. We have frequencies. If, if something, if we we're shot at a different frequency that basically fucks us up, then we can die. And that's what he did to cancer. He found the frequency that, that, that kills cancer cells,
4: mm-hmm.
1: and he did that on stage four patients. This was like in 19, yeah, like 1911, 1912. Wow. All the stage four cancer patients recovered. Nothing. No chemo or anything. Where's that? Where is where is where's the te- where's the technology now? Yeah, make sure no, nowhere to be
2: found. Nowhere. It's in a patent office like or it's in a warehouse like in Indiana Jones at the end of uh, or
1: you know who has yeah. it? The people that create the fucking chemo. That's 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 who has it. Yeah. The medical industry. Or the Borg. Yeah, or the Borg. Fuck. You no, know, <laughs> you know what has it? You know as it? the fucking Romulans have it, okay? Fuck the Romulans. Yeah.
2: He got he's gotta get a fuck the Romulans in every day. I hate
1: day. the fucking Romulans.
2: Yeah. Dishonorable I people. That. I would say also maybe if you want to see that torch passing generations is a great yeah. movie. As you okay. said, you see Kirk passing the torch to Picard. You get to see the enterprise from the next generation series before they go to the fancy new sovereign uh, ship. That class of ship is called sovereign. The mm-hmm. galaxy class is what they rolled around in. You get to see that um in generations. So you get to see kind of, the end of kind of that whole next generation series, jumping into the movies, kind of, they're kind of ending the TV. They're jumping into the movies with the, their kind of stuff for that. Also.
1: Um, oh, I'm sorry, John. Also too, with, with generations, the, that generations kind of ties in a little bit into the next generation series with a couple of antagonists, the Dura sisters, the Dura S- Yes. Yeah. Dura uh, so, yeah. So just so, 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 so just to give you like a, a, a point of reference. If you watch generations, the Duro sisters were trying, you know, to like, we're trying to get their brother to be the head of of the Klingon Council, and they did it by basically, you know, bad naming Worf's family, and they were kind of like cast out of the Klingon Empire, and they've been trying to get Picard and the and the Enterprise for a while. So you'll see in Generations they are in Generations as the antagonist. So
4: yeah,
2: yeah. right, very cool. Because yeah. because
1: yeah. if you watch me, be watching, like. Like who the who the fuck are these two bitches? Okay, seriously. So yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I would say you know, the, the, but I mean, really, it's a matter of what you want. If you want to, if you want to just roll through them, you know, they they all tell a different, unique story, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, like four is a time is a time travel movie. again. Yeah, you know? it's it's, but it's done with the original series crew. Mm-hmm. Um, they reference how they did it in one of the original series episodes, and they talk about they're going to do it again. To go do, and but you know we see the you know humanities reaping what they sow of how they treated the environment you know we're yeah. seeing that in four you know so you, still it's it's such a neat story there's some good comedy in it after three which is so dark and serious but to watch three which is so dark and serious and you you got Christopher Lloyd Doc Brown as a Klingon and I mean he disappears in the role so many people don't recognize that that's Christopher Lloyd Doc Brown in this role as a Klingon and um, just plays it straight. And is so, I mean, you know, so you're going to get a lot of different things out of it. It's just a matter of, you know, that's the cool part is you don't even have to watch them in order. You can just kind of go, all right, oh, right, I'm going to watch this one and see how I do with it. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, go from there. But if you wanted to keep that trilogy aspect of two, three, and four, it's a great way to go. Uh, I, I, the only one I would say is skip is five don't watch five. Unless
4: you're...
2: Whoa, okay. whoa, whoa,
1: hold on. Hold, whoa, whoa, whoa. hold <laughs> on. Hold on for one second. Okay. Five. Yes. Five. The special it effects works. suck in it. Well, hold on. But five also does tell a pretty good story too. You know, if you, if you look into it about trying to find, you know, you know, trying to find, you know, God and everything else. And you come to find out that, you know, like when people, when, when when Hameen talks about well, what about the fucking aliens? What would the Catholics say about the aliens? You know what I say? God created everything. God created the fucking universe. The aliens just call God by a different name, and you and you see that in Star Trek Five.
4: Okay, I got like
1: also that. and also too in Star Trek Five. There's more. You see more of a camaraderie between the original crew. Yeah. So especially, see,
2: especially the big three with yeah. Bo, Kirk and Spock. You see how deep their relationship really is. I mean. yeah. Uh, they're the big three from the original series and you really see their relationship in this. I mean, it starts off the movie with those three on shore leave. Yeah. Together. So, um, you know, there's that aspect of it. You, mm-hmm. you so, I mean, once again, you can, I mean, you can just sit down and burn through them all and just have a good time with it. So yeah. uh, uh, if you want it, you know, uh, and, there's no real viewing recommendation yeah. or just do it. Uh, just and out. I wanna,
1: yeah. And I'm going to recommend if you watch the motion picture, they have a director's cut. Watch that one. The director's and, cut, okay. And the thing with the motion picture is it's like 2001 A Space Odyssey. It can be slow at times, but
2: – At times?
1: You know, shut up, John. The, uh, <laughs> the scenery
2: <laughs> – Lance Archer chokeslammed you about hating that movie. So. Listen,
1: listen. <laughs> I'm not going to talk anything bad about Lance. But, so, but the scenery and the music – of it is just unbelievable. Jerry Goldsmith, that he did the soundtrack for the motion picture, fucking knocked it out of the park. And the best, like 12 minutes I think ever in a Star Trek movie is when Kirk and Scotty go into like, this little shuttle and they show the Enterprise, the Toll Inter- Enterprise refit. And the music behind that is like it brings tears to your fucking eyes. That's how beautiful it is. So, wow.
2: Yeah. Awesome. I would so definitely have so, the director's cut then. Yeah. Mm hmm. I would say that. Yeah. So, Dr. Ted, we're going to let you go because we still have to talk Discovery, which I know you haven't seen. That's the new right, experience right. that's out. And we want to, but we do appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing your Star Trek uh, experience with us. And hopefully, you get to get a little bit more. And when you watch a little bit more, let us know if you want to come oh, back yeah. and talk some more of what you've seen for the first time and ask more questions and talk about it. We'd love to have you. Back Absolutely. On. Yeah. Yeah. Let's make it happen. Definitely. So Dr. Ted, we're going to let you go, but how, where can people find you on the internet if they want to start giving you Star Trek recommendations?
3: Well, of course you can catch me on Twitter at Ted, the man beast also at Instagram at the same place at Ted, the man beast. And, uh, you know, occasionally I might even, uh, accept some friend requests. So if you're on Facebook, you can find me at Ted McNaylor. Uh, I always like to share all my movies, uh, that I've been watching on there. So that way we can uh, talk shop on some of those, but, uh, either way, it's been a blast with, uh, hanging out with you guys And I look forward to hopefully having a chance To talk more shop about Star Trek uh, Here shortly I just wanted to say one last thing before I go Is I'm going to go ahead uh, if, if anyone wants to clip this out for free I, I don't care I'm not scared of them But I'm still waiting for the the chicken shit cowards Over at <laughs> NFO <laughs> To step up to the Star Trek versus Star Wars yeah. debate So uh, someone get on to them uh, I'm waiting for them to to put on their big boy pants And step up to the challenge So hopefully they'll do that sometime this year Yeah, That's, that's the point. Cool.
1: Hopefully, I mean I, I and I and I talk to Papa Don too, a lot. And I I tell Papa Don I you know and we 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 go at it. I'm like, come on, bro.
4: Yeah,
1: Let's, hey, on.
3: put your money where your mouth is. Exactly. Let's, Let's do this. You know, yeah, no, we're good. Way, appreciate <laughs> you guys having me. Y'all yeah, take care. You. I'll, I'll talk you to y'all soon. All, all right, thank right, you, take
1: care, Dr. Ted. Thank you, Dr. Ted. See ya.
3: Live long and prosper. Good. Indeed.
1: Wow. Whew. We All had right. hold on, Wait, wait. The moma, 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 mo, mo. mo, mo, mo. man, beast here That's for right. an hour and 30 minutes talking Star Trek. That was
2: phenomenal.
1: That also, is too, great. Also, I got, I got to give this for 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 Matt Gauge, uh, MSG. You can you can add this out. We started the news at one seventeen thirty six. I think.
2: Yes. Okay.
1: So one seventeen thirty six. Matt, you can put in the whistle. Ah, uh, cut out uh, us telling you that. So I just, I just want to let you know that. But I mean, my God, what a interview that was! That was, was. awesome having Doctor Ted on, being able to to discuss things. And John, you were the fucking star of that, John. You, John, you fucking carried it, buddy. I'm not gonna lie.
4: Nah. Yeah, listen,
1: so, so sometimes it's just I just, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna sit back and drink my bourbon. I'm gonna let like John. I'm with the star of the fucking show
2: here just kind of, you know. Oh, no. Here's my question. Do we, wanna, do we want to stop Discovery? We've run an hour and 30 in. Or do we want to make this a special episode and we do all three episodes the next time we record?
1: I think we should do all three episodes the next time we record because okay. I watched the two and I'm like, you know, it's just like, ah, you know, the last one left me where I'm like, Come on! Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. So yeah. I, I think I think maybe we should because we had such a great time discussing those those three movies with Doctor Ted that we should wait. I, I think we should watch a third movie and then do a podcast then. You know?
2: Yeah, because that will be the third episode. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, and, that, and, then, and that's the series finale or the season finale. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you know, so everybody, we're just we're we're doing this on the fly. We're doing it live. We decided to we're gonna. Mm-hmm. We're going to save our recording next time for the last three episodes of discovery season three, so that we can end the series uh, for this season and we can talk about them and complete um, an overview exactly. of all three. Yeah. I think, I think all three need to be shown together oh, um, and yeah. to be talked about together. So uh, in order for that to happen, I think we're going to sign off tonight. We're going to, you know, have this special episode with Doctor Ted, the m- 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 man beast, beast. <laughs> and, and you know, thankful for him for coming on and oh God, giving us see. his first time experience of uh, seeing Star Trek. And uh, you know, as he said, he he wants to hear that debate. And yeah, I mean, he told the NFL boys to put your put your big boy pants on. So you know, not and from it, us. And that and is listen, not
1: from us. And, from us. and listen. You you know how much I love the, the the NFL guys. I love all those guys to death. I mean they're, they're just great great fucking people. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know why. It's like listen. It's it's like what are you what are you afraid of? You you say that Star Wars is superior. Listen, show it. That's up for debate. So mm-hmm. let's debate it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not as I said before, as I told people before, I say listen, to me. Three, three of the best sci-fi movies ever are, are the OG Star Wars, mm-hmm. Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. Those are three, three of the greatest sci-fi movies ever. Next is Star Trek VI, Star Trek II, and Star Trek I. Yeah.
2: <laughs> or you so, know whatever other one you want to throw in there. So you know. Yeah.
1: You're always, you know, Lance. Okay, that's it. you you're never gonna live that down when Lance Archer was like. One sucked. I was like, "Oh, no!" You're
2: geez. not gonna live that down. I'm gonna always bring it up. I'm gonna yeah, you are.
1: You're always gonna bring it up. I don't I'm know.
2: Gonna, I'm gonna throw that on you all, oh, the all time. the fucking time. Jesus Christ! Here we go. You're, you're gonna get that purple heart for that because you, you you took that one. Like I took
1: one for the team on that one, baby.
2: Yeah, like
1: I yeah. took the choke slam through the table
2: on that one. <laughs> you did. You did. So. You know, uh, that was a that was a great episode. So that was a uh, great episode. I think I think we go ahead and we kill it for now. So, I think so. Um, do you want to give the plugs tonight, or do you want me to to tell people where they can find us on the internet?
1: I will, John. You do such a great job of doing that, John. I'll, okay. I'll let you do that.
2: All right. Well, if you want to email the show because we want to hear from you, Exactly. We want, we want your input. We want your ability to kind of go, oh, yeah, I need to do that. I want to say something about that. You can reach us. On, uh, we have a Yahoo because Gmail was being, you know, a pain in the ass. So we yeah. you can reach us at theacademyhmg at yahoo.com. That's theacademyhmg at yahoo.com. You can also uh, reach us on Twitter. We are on Twitter, so you can send us your tweets and texts or DMs and whatever you want to do on that one. Mm-hmm. You can reach us at the at the Academy HMG on Twitter. Just type in the at symbol, and then it'll come up the Academy with triple D and J D E. Um, and you can send us all your different tweets, and we will definitely read them, and maybe even read them on the air. And then of yeah. course. On Facebook, you can reach us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. It is called the Academy with Triple D and JDE. Um, but if you want to type that in, we have a shortcut. Um, uh, that is, you type in the at symbol and type in Academy HMG, and that'll take you directly to our page. Oh, okay. So you don't you don't have, you don't have right. to try to type in the whole the Academy with Triple D JDE. So uh, to make it a little easier, and then you'll of course you'll see the Starfleet Academy logo, and you'll see the Hameen media group banner on our page group 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 group, group. So that's, that's how you know you find <laughs> us on the internet to talk to us to get your voice heard on this show oh yeah we want man. To hear from you guys we know that y'all are out oh, there you're listening and we want to hear from you so please let us know what your takes are on star trek yeah movies different things however you want to do recommendations for dr ted to watch you know, mm-hmm. give us give us all those things and let us know. So that's how you can find us on the internet, Triple D. What do you got for us tonight? What do
1: I got? Well, you can find me, Dimitri Zerdos, at Facebook. You know, I, I really haven't been that active in the in the whole social media game lately. So I got to – maybe 2021 I'll get back into it a little bit. But there is just so much toxicity that's in the world right now that I kind of want to avoid it. But you can find me on Facebook. You can also find me at Twitter at GreekDZ25 where retweeting the great tweets of Ben Hameen, uh, the Man Beast, uh, the Dad Bob God, and the Academy tweets as well, which, which guys, we got to start doing some video because the sweater that John is wearing is, like, the greatest fucking sweater I've ever seen in my life. It is a Star Trek ugly Christmas sweater, and it's just amazing, fucking fucking amazing and it's the original enterprise on his shirt the ncc 1701 constitutional class which uh you do have a an ornament
2: of that as well i do i did <laughs> From a very generous co-host Oh, of mine, Jesus. I, who, it who, was, yes. When literally. I arrived back from my parents' house in East Texas, it was on my door. And I immediately <laughs> opened it up, and I was like, oh, my God, this thing is so beautiful. Like How this.
1: crazy is that? Oh, that
2: thing this, is – I haven't even amazing. opened it out of the box. I, like, I put Dude. it out the box, but, you know, I'm like –
1: Seriously. Oh. If you plug it in and you watch it light up, if you watch, like, the two, like, nacelles, actually, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Oh, and God. it is absolutely ridiculous. So – uh so john i'm glad you got that also too guys if you also want to you know, like uh, I'm, I'm on instagram demetrius so i really don't do a lot on, on instagram but i do have some good posts on instagram mm-hmm. so and then also too you can also check me out dip and donut cny dot dip and cny on facebook twitter instagram linkedin for your donut porn it's right there zerdosolivoil.com my father is actually going to pick up a fresh shipment of olive oil uh, this week. So, guys, if you guys want to get your orders in, zerosoliveoil.com. Um, if you could order, we have the oil in because right now we don't have any oil right now to ship. We are actually out <laughs> of oil. So, <laughs> But, yeah, so, guys, so so check that out. And I think that's it for me, John. Think- Where can – the Star Trek fans find you.
2: Well, if you want to find me, you can of course go to the Facebook and type in John Enright. You can find me. I think right now my current profile, I have a house of hot rods, you know, picture as my profile picture. So you, that's how you know it's me. Or you can scroll down and you can see my great paint splattered Jim short and Jim pants. <laughs> uh, and you can see the picture of the American flag version I've got, plus the sweater uh, that I got for Christmas. You can see those. Uh, you can go to Twitter. And you can type in at J and it'll come up the dad, Bob God, and you can click and connect with me there or on Instagram. Same thing. J and talk to me there as well um, and see some of the pictures that you see on Facebook. Or if you don't do Facebook and you see Instagram, you can do those as well. Um, I'm on LinkedIn or whatever those other things are, too. I don't ever check LinkedIn because, you know, it's business stuff and that's it is business <laughs> and so you know so i don't ever do that um but you know that's how you can get a hold of me and give me your hot takes on star trek um uh, or any other pop culture stuff i'm a huge pop culture guy i love all that kind of stuff so um i'll talk star wars with you i'll talk stargate sg1 i'll talk babylon 5 i'll talk it all with you I like oh, yeah. all that kind of stuff. It's good stuff. So uh, that's how you reach me out. and we've done the plug. So now, at Triple D, I think it's time for you to sign us off for the night. I
1: think it's time for everyone uh, to everyone. Happy New Year! Uh, Merry Christmas to everyone. If we didn't say it the last show, but also to I hope everyone has a I hope everyone had a healthy and happy New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. And to you, John, my friend, live long and prosper msg live long and prosper as well my friend and we will see you next week when we go in depth of the last three episodes of discovery and folks it will be absolutely off the fucking chain good night